1: Welcome into Stacking the Box podcast with Matt Verderam and Sterling Holmes. I am Sterling Holmes Verderam. How are you?
2: Okay. There's a lot going on at the house this week. Um, as I filled join a little bit before the, uh, the show, Maisie's upstairs recovering from a fever, which she seems to be fine now. She will be going back to school tomorrow. Um, and my wife has, in two days, lost her keys, found her keys, and then gone to work as a nurse practitioner, and then immediately spilled coffee all over herself. And had to come back and change, uh, which led to a frantic 15 minutes in the house. Her just throwing clothes all over the place, everything going in the washer. I'm being screamed at. Like, Get up, throw it in the dryer. I'm like, it's 8.15 a.m. I finally don't have to wake up early to bring Maisie to school because she's sick. And Maisie, God bless her, is the easiest kid in the world. She's sitting on the couch watching Transylvania 2 <laughs> like for the 80th time the last three weeks. And so that, that's that been, my, uh, it's been my, my first couple of days of the week. How are you doing?
1: Well, I'm doing well, but my main question is what's better, Transylvania 1 or Transylvania 2?
2: I think just watching a blank screen. But um, <laughs> Maisie's really into them. And so fair enough. I don't care. That's fine. She can sit there and watch it. It doesn't bother me. Um, I know somewhere somewhere out there, some parents, like, you let your kid watch television. Yes, I do. And if you are a parent, I'm, I'm guessing you're nodding along like, yeah, yeah. I also had good intentions about that. Um. Yes, yeah, she is up there uh drawing and watching Transylvania Two, and I'm sure at some point, if not already, My Little Pony. So that's uh, that's where we are.
1: Frankly, it has to be more entertaining than last night's Niners Rams game. Let's be real here. But we are now at the quarterway mark through the NFL season, four games in, a little under, right, Fair a little under the days, 17 so. game now. I mean, yeah. really, NFL? Come on, you screwed us up here. As, adding that extra game now, we don't have no. pure numbers, but. Basically, twenty five percent weigh in. Who are the clear contenders so far?
2: I think there are three teams that are clearly at this point better than everybody else, and it's Philadelphia, Kansas City, and Buffalo. Like I don't know, like is there a fourteen to throw in there? First of all, by the way, the parity this year is insane. Okay, you have how many teams have three plus wins? You have three of them in the NFC East with the Giants, the Cowboys, and and the Eagles. You have, of course, the Eagles are the only undefeated team with four wins. You have the Packers and you have the Vikings and nobody else in the NFC has four wins, nobody. And then you or three wins, and then you go over to the AFC and the only teams that have three wins are Kansas City, Buffalo, and Miami. So you have you have eight teams with three or more wins. Of course, all of them have, all of them have exactly three except Philly. Everybody else is two or less. So I don't. Like, do you want to make the case for the Packers? Do you want to make the case for? Dallas or for Miami, uh, I don't. Uh, not at that. I think the Packers are going to be very good as the year goes on. But right now, I, I think Philly, Buffalo, and Kansas City have distinguished themselves from the rest of the the club at the moment.
1: I'm with those three for sure: Philly, Bills, Chiefs. But I do think you can make the case for the Packers after losing their first game. They've won their next three, beating Tampa Bay. Uh, It's going to take time for Aaron Rodgers to get used to his receiving core. Romeo, what's it Dobbs? Dobbs? Dobbs, of course. Yeah, I named two. The third one was the correct one. Starting to find somewhat of a connection there. They're using Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon correctly. I think the Packers can make a case, but they're still behind those top three. And then the Miami Dolphins. As much as I want to discredit what they've done so far, basically had one great quarter, and then they got, I don't want to say lucky, against the Bills, but they still beat the Bills. I I get it. And two was going to be out this upcoming week, right? So that's a little bit of a nerve-wracking situation. But what they've done so far, I don't want to discredit the Miami Dolphins because if it was my team that I was rooting for, and they've beat two of the best teams in the AFC – two of at least the three best teams in the AFC, I wouldn't want to say, oh, yeah, they're, 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 there's there's no chance. They're not in clear contention. I think I have to, with good conscience, throw Miami Dolphin in there.
2: Other than the Giants, who I think everybody kind of understands, they're going to come back down to earth here. Um, are any of those other seven teams, do you think they're fraudulent? Do you think the teams are like, that team I don't think is making the playoffs?
1: Mm, I'd probably say Cowboys, potentially. Okay. I, I don't think the Cowboys – They've been treading water with Cooper Rush. Give them credit. They've hung on, but they've also not played great teams. I think that the Eagles are a legitimate great team. Right? They're an elite team. I don't see yeah, two teams. For, I don't see two teams from the NFC East making the playoffs.
2: I you know, I agree with you to an extent, but I also look at the NFC and it's like, all right, then who's who's getting in? Because I got to tell you. The NFC South outside of Tampa stinks. Uh, Atlanta give them credit. I think Atlanta's better. I thought they'd be. They're still not good. Uh, the NFC North you got the Vikings and the Packers. The other two teams stink. In the NFC East, I like the Eagles and the Cowboys to make the playoffs. And then it's it's just you look at it. So you got the Eagles and the Cowboys, the Vikings and the Packers, the Bucks winning the South, and then in the NFC West, everybody's two and two. Take your pick. I, I mean, I think the I think the Niners are going to win the division. the The Rams. My God, if Cooper Cup pulls a hamstring at any point, they should just wave the white flag, jam it at the 50-yard line and walk off the field. I mean, I can't remember a team that's more reliant on one guy who's not the quarterback. I mean, it is every play. They just throw it to him, throw it to him, get the ball to him. Like, if I'm a team playing the Rams, I am doing – I'm treating him like a punt gunner. Like, I'm just (laughs) doubling him, not letting him off the line of scrimmage and say, I don't care, beat me with anybody else. Allen Robinson has done nothing. Ben Skaronic is Ben Skaronic uh Tyler Higby's fine but nobody's shaking their boots trying to defend Tyler Higby like but I, I that all said I think the Rams are a playoff team in the NFC like who the hell's beating them out I mean I look Shadow's fun but I don't think Seattle's better than the Rams and I I sure as hell don't think the Cardinals are better than the Rams so the NFC's a a weird conference the only teams I fully believe in are the Eagles the Bucks and the Packers
1: through the first again quarter of this season who is your MVP? Who do you have as the front runner in the MVP race?
2: I think right now, I, I think it's for me. I mean, look, we talked about the three best teams. And to me, you're always going to pick a quarterback unless you're just trying to be cute. Um, Hertz, I think, deserves the case right now because he's averaging over nine yards an attempt. He's thrown for a bunch of yards. He's top 10 in the league in yardage. Um, I believe he's actually fifth. Uh, he has not thrown for many touchdowns, but he's not turning the ball over. He's running for a ton of yards. Jalen Hurts deserves a lot of credit. Like, I think I think that he's got to be the favorite. But I'll tell you right now, if he's not the pick, then to me it's Mahomes. Mahomes is leading the league in touchdown passes with 11. He's tied with Goff and Lamar. He's sixth in yardage. The, the Chiefs are 3-1. Without him, you have no chance. Um, I don't know what else you could want from. Him. He's just hung 41 on the bucks. He's been brilliant. And then, uh, my, my daughter who's sick and should be relaxing is coming on in. How are you doing? Oh, you drew beautiful pictures.
1: What'd Very you draw, nice. Maisie? Come on. Look, got, give yeah, us a, uh, give us a look. Give us a look. See, got, we
2: got the, the princess here and we got my little pony here. So we're, we're rolling. Uh, big, my you, little pony uh, guy. These are these are beautiful.
1: Thank you, honey. You- Feel free to send me one. I'll hang it on my fridge. <laughs> is that okay?
2: Okay. Can you say hi to Sterling? Hi. Hi, little Vernaram. <laughs> All right, you. You upstairs. I'll be up at the podcast. All right. The, the, the people listening to this are like, what is going on? Um, but, yeah. So, no, I think, look, I would give it to Hertz right now. But at the same point, I got to be honest. If you said to me you have to award it today, I'd say Hertz. If you said, who do you think is going to end up winning it? I would say Mahomes, based off the fact Allen has been amazing. My concern about Allen, Allen is, like, can he continue to – I mean, he's, he's accounting for over 80% of their offense. Like, at some point here, that's coming home to roost. But I think it's one of those three guys. I think it has to be.
1: I think you can make the case for Lamar Jackson. I think you can make the case. Lamar Jackson has been outstanding, and he is the Ravens offense. The same way you can say Josh Allen's the Buffalo offense, right? Sure, Lamar Jackson is the Ravens offense. They're using him at a unreal clip. It's like Russell Westbrook in the NBA. It's like the usage rate is just through the roof. So that alone is going to give him some votes just based on the numbers are going to be so gaudy. But I do think it's Jalen Hurts right now. If I had to place a bet, if I had to say, who is it through four weeks? Got to be Jalen Hurts. I know the touchdown numbers you mentioned are outstanding fourth passing touchdowns. Right. What he's done, he's led this Eagles team to the only undefeated start, right? Not only that he's, he's dual threat. He's gotten AJ Brown involved. Uh, Devontae Smith looks like the guy they drafted. I mean, this is what the Eagles look like with actual wide receivers and not backup quarterbacks playing wide receiver. I, I, I just think the, I will say it helps Jalen hurts that the Eagles offensive line might be the best offensive line in the NFL. He's had time to throw. He's getting running lanes if he wants them. But I don't want to knock him for that. I think through four weeks, I'm going with Jalen Hurts. Through four
2: weeks, I'm with you. I'm with you. Also, let's have – for a minute here, and then we can move on. Let's have a really honest conversation about Lamar and the Ravens. Okay, because I think um, there's this weird thing with Lamar where, like, nobody can have a nuanced conversation with him ever. Um, And, you know – He's a great player. At the same point, he is 20th in the league right now in passing yardage. Like, for all that he does, he's 20th in the league in passing. Like I, He throws a lot of touchdowns. I also think his throws are made a lot easier at times by the fact that they run the ball so well that it's team, teams are never dedicating their resources to stopping them from throwing the football. Now, part of that, to be fair to Lamar, again, to go the other way here, their receivers stink. So it, it becomes just like, well, okay, yeah, your throws are easier, but you're throwing to lesser receivers other than Andrews, who's of course a very, very good tight end. But here's here's one thing I got to say. Like I'm a big eye test and like I'm a big believer in like just watching a game and walking away and not needing a million statistics to parse how I feel about a guy. Last week they're playing the Bills. It's 20 to 20. It's fourth and I believe it was goal at the two-yard line. Um The Ravens go for it, which I know has been a very controversial decision. I do not have a problem with them going for it. If you kick a field goal against the Bills, you're probably going to lose anyway. Okay. On the play, the Ravens go empty. It's five wide. And the second I saw that, I said to myself, either they're going to run a quarterback draw or this is not going to end particularly well. If it's Mahomes there, if it's Allen or Herbert or Rodgers or Brady or Burrow, like I want them to throw the ball there. Even though it's two, I want them to throw the ball. With with Baltimore and with Lamar, I was I was like, why are they not running the ball? And that's not that sounds like an indictment of him. And to a degree, it is a little bit, but it's more of an indictment of how they play and how they're structured. Like, I think he is a great player. If you go my quarterback rankings next week, up, and he's going to be in the top five, but I I do think that he lacks a certain fear in the passing game that these other elite quarterbacks put into you. Where, you know, like, if Allen gets down 10-0 in a game, right, you're like, oh, he's – I mean, they're going to come back at some point. They're at least making it a game, as they did in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. If Baltimore gets down 20-3, to they have no shot. Like, that game's just over. And, again, part of that is a function of how they play, but part of that also is, like, when is the last time you watch Lamar Jackson just get into an all-out air duel with with a quarterback, right? Like, it doesn't happen. So, I think he's amazing. And I, I absolutely think that the Ravens should pay him a fortune. I do. I also think he lacks a little bit in the passing game compared to guys like Allen and Mahomes and all those other guys I
1: mentioned. I 100% agree, and if you want to make the case that if you put Joe Burrow in Baltimore right now, that Baltimore team might win seven games because Joe Burrow's not running. That That's offense fair. is That's built around fair. Lamar yep. Jackson. But also if you put Lamar Jackson in in Cincinnati, what's, what's going to happen with the offensive line issues – I, you can make the case that Lamar Jackson would, would maybe even thrive more in since he just based on the receivers that are there. But I'm, I'm with you to an extent. Yeah. I, I think it has to be a nuanced conversation with Lamar Jackson. Saying he's not an elite throwing quarterback is not it, saying he's not a good quarterback. He just does things differently. And the point where he gets down, if the Ravens get down, they're not coming back, it's something we've seen throughout his time. So until he does it, I don't know how you can give him the benefit of the doubt there. Uh, moving forward, yep. which of the contending teams, or at least the teams that right now are in the playoff hunt, stay there? And then which teams fall off?
2: So I thought about this a little bit while I was doing the outline, which is probably good Probably good to put some thought into it. Um, look, I, I think the Bucks are going to be just fine. I know they're two and two. They've lost the Packers and the Chiefs. I think they're a team like everybody's going to sell a little bit of stock on. I, I'm buying all the stock in the Bucs. The Bucks are going to be really good. Look, the Buccaneers. We talked about this. We both. I believe you picked the Chiefs to lose. I know I did last week.
1: Oh no! Uh, I, hey, I said Chiefs win, and it's a gift oh, right now. Okay, Ben's you for both. Come on. My,
2: my apologies. Maybe it's Patrick Allen. Then one. Maybe in fact it was Patrick. So my apologies. Look. I thought the Chiefs were running into the Bucs on the wrong week last week with them getting guys back. As it turns out, the Bucs really, really ran into the Chiefs on the wrong week. So it is what it is. I think the Buccaneers will be fine. Part of it is their conference is not good, and the division is atrocious. Um, I think they'll be fine. I think the Niners are going to continue to get better. Um, so I think those are a couple teams that will, will continue to move up. The Bengals and Ravens, I think, are both playoff teams, even at 2-2. Two and two. I think they'll be fine. Um, on the flip side of that, like two and two and and trending down, or or like the Giants are three and one. The Giants are not a three and one team. Um, I give them credit; they're playing hard, they're competitive, but I, I don't think their their talent level is going to allow them to win more than six games or so, maybe seven. I I think that the Bears are a tire fire. That doesn't take much uh, <laughs> much, much expertise. But so let's get into the air teams. Denver to me is going like like the Hindenburg as this year goes on. They can't coach Russell Wilson looks really bad. I think he will get better, but like now they're missing Javante Williams for the year. Tim Patrick's out for the year. Randy Gregory's not out for the year, but he's on IR. He's out at least a month. That is not a team that can afford to lose its best players. Okay. Um, I I think, I think Indianapolis is only going to get worse. Indianapolis is bad. Mm -hmm. And I'll be the first one. Hey man, just like you all throw my hand up. I thought they'd win the division. They stink. That team is not good. Um, I'll give you the one team. I don't know what to do with them, which I guess is a pretty much standard run of the run of the mill with this team. I don't know what the hell to make of the Chargers. I know that I don't think they're an elite team, but are they a playoff team? I don't know. The two and two, they're mission guys. Like their schedule's not that hard the next month, but then it gets really hard. But they lose like they play in Cleveland this week, and on paper, you're like, oh, they're going to be Cleveland. But like, would it shock anybody if they just got their their ass handed to them in Cleveland? Like. That's who they are. So um, it's it's a, it's a year with a lot of – I think you're going to see a lot of teams come to the middle, and it's just going to be tiebreakers and who gets to 10 wins and stuff like that.
1: I think the Saints are a team I still have a little bit more faith in than you do. Uh, I okay. think some of the reason for that is they've been really injured. I mean, Andy Dalton starting a game. If Jameis Winston comes back with Michael Thomas coming back, Alvin Kamara coming back, that's a lot of injuries to one team, to your superstars, to your core early on in a season. Those guys come back. That's a legitimate defense. Their offensive line is, is on the better side of things. I think the New Orleans Saints are for sure a team I could see making a run. As far as teams falling off, I, I think the Vikings could potentially come back down to earth. They're 3-1. Yeah, they could. I, I don't think they're a bad team, but I just think they're a, a fine team. Putting so much faith in Kirk Cousins just feels like a bad bet. Anytime there's a big game, let me preface that. Most of the time there's a big game, spotlight on him, he seems to crumple, right? Unless he's yelling yeah. at the owner yeah. saying, you know, unless he's yelling at the owner in the in the, the tunnel, I just don't trust Kirk Cousins. But I do think the Saints, for me, are at least a team that can make a, uh, make a comeback.
2: By the way, um, and as anyone who listens to this knows, I'm, I'm not big on uh... – I'm not big on all the, you know, the, the, the back page gossip. Um, but uh, page six is reporting that Tom Brady and Giselle have hired divorce attorneys. Now I don't you know. It's page six. So like I, I who the hell knows, but I feel like the only reason I bring that up is I never get into people's personal lives. But it has been such a conversation point. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and like analyze it, but I just figured it was noteworthy. Um, so you know, it's also page six in the New York Post. Uh I you know, take take that for what it's worth. Take it with like a massive grain of salt, but it's out there. You know what? Listen, everybody you know, Tom Brady, whatever. I I, I hope for him and, and for his family and his wife it works out because that's that's unfortunate. They've been married a long time.
1: Yeah, that um, sucks. You never yeah. root for that. Yeah, that's never no. yeah. Take, take the football out of this equation. Like, don't it's don't just people. it's it's, it's a family.
2: Yeah. yeah. So hopefully hopefully Uh, you know, works out one way or the other. Brain fog,
0: insomnia, moodiness, weight gain.
2: All right, look, let's uh, not take your job here, but I'm going to move it into the future, um, and I'll, I'll pose it to you. Who's in more trouble, the Bucks or the Rams? Oh, Both Rams,
1: 1,000%. Rams, that game last night was horrendous. The offensive line is a disaster. Somehow a 42-year-old Andrew Whitworth would make his offensive line so much more improved. Uh, they can't run the ball. Sean McVay, can we have the conversation? Is he just not a great offensive play caller? Every single play call you can see coming. I understand you don't have great wide receivers, well, you spent a lot of money on Allen Robinson. He's not horrendous, right? I, I mean, Matthew Stafford, did he just fall off a cliff? Why are you running every single second and 10? First and 10, you can't run, and you're just going to give it a halfback dive with Cam Akers? I mean, yes. come on. The offensive line's a disaster. I, I will give them credit. They're moving Aaron Donald around. They find the weak spot, and he's been dominating. But I, I just don't trust this Rams team, unless they get Odell Beckham Jr. Right. I, th- I think they make the playoffs still because the NFC's not good. I agree. But, but like, as far as being a team we thought was going to be a Super Bowl contender, as far as a team we thought the, they're in – because I think the Bucks are going to be fine. I think the Bucks will be okay. The Rams, man, they need Odell Beckham Jr. back, and they need some offensive line help bad.
2: So I'm with you 100%. Um, by the way, our mutual friend Joshua Briscoe, who is both hilarious and a terrible person, um, <laughs> and he, would, he would appreciate me saying that. Uh, he pointed out the Rams have – four primetime games in the span of like 24 days in December. Oh. So that's right. And three of them are against the AFC West, the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Broncos. So settle in. That's right. You're getting, you're getting Raiders-Rams on Thursday night football in December. Um, and then you're getting a Christmas Day game with, with let Russ cook. Or just is he cooked? It's going to be – it's gonna, be, it's gonna be a good, maybe be a Chiefs fan, it will be a good time. I don't know. Uh, look. I already I already said I think the Bucks will be fine, and I, I am concerned about the Rams. The Rams, like I there are teams like they're two and two, and you look at them, you're like, they're all right. They'll they'll figure it out. They're fine. Then there are teams you look at that are two and two and you're like, they got real fucking problems. The Rams fall in the, the ladder bucket. They cannot block anybody. They can't block Stafford's immobile. And look, McVay, I'll just dovetail because I agree they're gonna but I'll dovetail off that point for a second. I wrote a piece last year kind of going on a deep dive on him. And I did it when they were seven and five, and they lost three games in a row. And I talked to a multitude of people around McVay. And then I talked to some people who aren't around McVeigh. You couldn't have a more striking difference in opinion on Sean. V. Like, the people around him absolutely love him and believe in him and believe in the way he coaches and think he is just the best. And as a person, I have no reason to argue that. I've, I've only been around him a few times, and he's one of the nicer guys you can meet in the league. But from a coaching standpoint, I agree with you. Like I've covered both of the Super Bowls that he's coached in. Okay, I've been in the press box, I've been at those games. Th- their Your offense is brutal in these games. Like they they run every first down. Then they get into these long second downs, and it, the entire game plan is just listen, throw it to cup. Nobody else can get open. Like they always play 11 personnel. They never change. It's three receivers, a back and a tight end. I just, I'll be very blunt. I did not think they were that good of a team last year. And I thought they just drew an inside straight and everything worked out and it it came down perfectly for them. I think they're worse this year. They're clearly worse this year. So right now i think they're about an average team. Do i think they make the playoffs? Like i like you said yeah cuz the NFC is terrible, but uh, i don't i do not think if they were in the AFC, i do not think they even make the playoffs.
1: Well, let's look at feature number 2 and keep talking playoffs. Better chance of making the playoffs, the Minnesota Vikings or the Chargers.
2: I put I, I put these teams together because i think these these two teams are both hilarious and and are the exact equivalent of each other across conferences. Both teams have talent. Both teams win games, like, you're like, wow, that was an impressive win. And then both teams are like, wow, they they lost to Vanderbilt? Like, it's just – it's unlike anything you've ever seen. Those two teams just manufacture ways to win games they shouldn't and then lose games they shouldn't. I will say I think the Vikings have a better chance to make the playoffs. And here's why. I think the Chargers are a better team. Mm -hmm. But I think the Chargers have tougher competition. Minnesota, I think, goes 9-8 to make the playoffs in the NFC. Like, how many teams are going to have winning records in the NFC, right? I mean, literally, I think maybe seven. The AFC, Buffalo's making the playoffs. I think Miami's making the playoffs. Baltimore and Cincinnati, I, I think are both making the playoffs. Somebody's coming out of the South. I, the Chiefs are making the playoffs. So then that leaves you with one team. All right, it could be the Chargers. Maybe the Raiders get off the deck. I don't know. The Browns, maybe they survive enough for Deshaun Watson to come back. You know, who knows? Uh, maybe you get two teams out of the south. Maybe Jacksonville and Tennessee both go nine and eight and get in. Like, I I think they're both gonna find a way in, but I would take Minnesota is more likely.
1: Yeah, exact same reasons too. It just the NFC is an easier division than the AFC. I think the Chargers are the better team. Uh, if the Vikings get to nine wins, they're probably probably sure. in. So Chargers, I, I just and their injury concerns. Are, are massive the I'm injury concerned. concerns yeah. uh, even with justin herbert what's he going to look like as the season progresses with that rib injury that can't be comfortable we saw he's way younger than drew Brees when right. Brees had those rib injuries i mean he couldn't throw the ball past 10 yards some of that was age related right sure but still that that does not help things when you're trying to breathe you, if you're nervous about running and making sure you're trying to protect yourself are you going to stand in the pocket and deliver the big throw when you know you're getting hit I have some questions about the injuries with the Chargers.
2: Fair. Totally. Fair. I mean, Slater's out for the year posters at eight to ten weeks. It's a problem.
1: So let's go to into the future number three. Who is the first coach fired?
2: Yeah, I gotta tell you, I you know, you can make a case for a few guys. Ron Rivera in Washington was just so unstable. You never know what they're gonna do. Um, I know some people would say hack it, but I just there's no way. There's no way he doesn't get the full year. Um, it, it's got to be Matt Rule, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, th- doesn't it kind of have to be? I mean, I've heard people like, oh, Kingsbury, first of all, they're two and two, second of all, they just extended him. He's not going anywhere. It's got to be Matt Rule. Like, they they are abominable offensively. How are they? Like, I understand Mayfield's been awful this year. His QBR literally is like 15, but like, isn't that also kind of on Matt Rule? Like, at some point here, like, like, Baker Mayfield's never been great, but shit, he's better than that. I mean, he's, he's like the worst quarterback in football now. You have DJ Moore, you have Robbie Anderson, you have Christian McCaffrey, and you can't score a point. You can't do anything. So I, it's got to be. It's got to be him. Has to be him. I, I, is there anybody else that's in your mind that you, you'd point at and say, no, maybe this guy's got the goods on him?
1: Ron Rivera is the only one that's close, but it's not even that close. It has to be Matt Rule. I mean, they backed up the bank for him originally, right, to, to bring him in. Uh, he was at Baylor, right? He was at Temple. I just do not trust and buy into what Matt Rule's doing in Carolina. He's had time, too. That's the issue. Some of these other coaches that, that you mentioned, you know, uh, Hackett, you can even make the case for Joshua Daniels, right? They've yeah. not had time. This is their first year in their current respective roles, right, at least in their, their, their certain team. They're not going anywhere, at least until the year's over. Matt Rule's had time. He has his guys. They brought in Baker Mayfield, and they started Baker Mayfield because he goes, my job's on the line. I can't go and see what Sam Darnold can bring to this team. I can't see what, is it P.J. Walker, what a younger quarterback can bring to this team. Not good, no. We need to win now. If this is your win now mode with Baker Mayfield, yikes. Matt Rule, definitely the guy to go first.
2: I just don't even think there's even a like, competitor. I mean, Rivera, like I said the tie. I think he's the only guy. Like, who? You know, I just, my guy, Matt Rule, that is, by the way, that's something to keep in mind for the next guy who comes out of college and everybody and their mother's like, oh my God, this guy, you know, do you know he won eight games at Temple? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's great. Um, I mean, Urban Meyer, he's got how many rings in college? And I think they just lost again with him. So just keep that in mind. How There have been, in my entire life, one guy, who's ever gone from the college to the pro game without previously being in the pros. Pete Carroll's in the pros first. Jimmy Johnson, he is it. The rest of these guys are train wrecks over
1: and over and over and over and over. All right, let's go to Into the Future, number four. Did the Cardinals make a huge mistake extending Cliff and Kyler?
2: you (laughs) didn't have to finish the court. Yes, yes. Like this, first of all, they look like they hate each other. Okay, which is, which is not great. Kyler Murray is averaging less than six yards an attempt. That's impossible. I mean, he's got Hollywood Brown and A.J. Green and Zach Ertz, and, and he's going to have Rondell Moore, and he can't, he can't complete a pass over, over 15 feet. Okay. And then Kingsbury is one of the worst situational coaches I've ever seen in my life. I, 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 this is a man in Kingsbury who had Patrick Mahomes in college football and couldn't post a winning record. I like, I very rarely say something like this and mean it. I could have posted a winning record with with a college football team with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, literally just gone like, Patrick, listen, do whatever the hell you want. I don't care. Whatever the hell you want to do is fine. Like I. And by the way, I am, I am being somewhat facetious. There's no way I have a winning record. But the, the point is, <laughs> As a, as a head coach in college football who played in the NFL, like, you couldn't win seven games with that guy as your quarterback? In a conference where nobody plays defense? It's just it's mind-blowing. But in any event, no. I think that, that is the kind of thing that Bidwell, the owner of the Cardinals, is cheap, and so he's never going to move on early because he doesn't want to pay him and another coach. Good luck. Good luck with Arizona and that whole situation.
1: I think they made a mistake with Kingsbury for sure. I don't think he's a good head coach at all. But I think Kyler Murray was the right decision. I think maybe the money mm. is not ideal, uh, but you can't let him walk or go to another team and then restart the process all over again. Next thing you know, you're drafting Josh Rosen in your back in the cycle of trying to find a quarterback. Quarterback is the most important position in the NFL. The money is ridiculous, right? But Kyler Murray has the talent. Maybe with a right head coach, maybe with a right owner. And again, the, the Arizona Cardinals are not a pristine organization. Kyler Murray on the no, Niners, for example, you probably don't have the study clause in there. They probably get him right. You know so, what?
2: Though? We're gonna have Heisler come on here in a second, but can I make the point real quick? Like the fact they felt they needed to have a study clause might tell you all you need to know about Kyler Murray. Like, I, I'm with you. We live in this age of, like, we've always got to defend the player at all costs, like every second of every – and by the way, Eddie, Eddie's asking a good question. Worst extension, Russell Wilson or Murray? It's got to be Wilson because he's all Wilson. Right? I mean, that that looks honest to God, Ed. That looks like a situation where if he doesn't start to get, like, not just better, markedly better, that could be a – like, they're, they're garbage for five years because of that extension type of deal. I mean, that – because you're not moving on from that. He's not walking away and retiring, and nobody's trading for him. So that's one of those things, like, when you pay a guy that kind of money, you better be right because if you're not right, it's over. I mean, there is there is no turning back. It's not like Russell Wilson's going to go, you know what, guys, I stink. Here's all that guaranteed money back. Why don't you just take it year for year?
1: Gil Mesh did that, baby. Gil Mesh, Royals pitcher, Man one year goes, goes, I wanted to earn my money, which is the most badass thing a player has ever done. How'd that go for him? I I think okay cuz I'm still talking about it 12 years later. Okay. I'm giving well, him credit.
2: Yeah. I mean like all right, look, let's uh let's bring in Heisler. Let's bring him in. He was he was uh he was on PTO uh, last week. He's back this week. So we, we welcome him back in for uh, for week 5 lines. We got a lot to get to. Uh Heisler, first of all, where the hell were you last week? Second of all, uh how are you feeling here about week 5? Uh, well, two part question to kick things off. I was, uh, yeah. I
3: was at home. Uh, I was uh, celebrating the uh the Jewish New Year with uh Rosh Hashanah last week. So, uh, apologize for, for, for not making the show. As for week <laughs> five, I, I like a handful of games right off the bat. There's already been a, a couple of line moves that uh, we'll talk about over the course of the week. Feel much better about week five than I do, than I did with week four. Week four was just a whole convoluted mess with so many close spreads, weird totals. We talked about yep. it on the Arrowhead Attic show on Thursday, that there are just some games, especially with the, the Chiefs line in Tampa, with all that weird late movement with the game coming back to Tampa. I, I, I think we finally have a little bit more security as we kind of start through the first quarter of the NFL season into week five.
2: Well, happy uh, Rosh Hashanah to to you and yours. Uh, that that's a reasonable reason that did not be here. That seems fair Thank enough. Thank you. Um, I appreciate. it. You're welcome. Of course, of course. We needed you uh, though.
1: Come on now. We did need I, you. I, I, I struggled. struggled.
2: <laughs> we we rolled off our own devices to gamble. It was a train wreck. Um. So it was. We we got the lines out. We we held down the fort, but barely. It was like the fort was like holding on by one post. Um. <laughs> all right. So I am, and you, look, you've got a whole list of things we're gonna yeah. hit here. I'm fascinated by a bunch of lines. First of all, by the way, I saw a stat that is wild. Uh, And I forget who the hell posted on Twitter. I apologize to them. The Steelers are 14-point underdogs to Buffalo. This is the first time since the AFL-NFL merger the Steelers have been 14-point dogs. That's an unbelievable stat. Wow. (laughs) I I mean – Never, never before since the merger. And here we are.
3: (sighs) Kind of goes to show you what a remarkably consistent franchise with yeah. stability at the head coaching position and quarterback will do for yep. you, right? I, that's insane. I, every team yeah. has been at least a double-digit you know, 14-point dog over the course of what feels like the last 10, 15 years. Every team has stunk at some point. Like even the Patriots, as good right. as they were, I think last year – um, and, and I can probably go back and, and double check this. I'm almost convinced that last year or the year before in the, in the Cam Newton era, they were at least 14 or 15 point underdogs. That was still with Bill Belichick's the head coach. That's, that's yes. a flat out remarkable stat. And I think what's interesting too is that you're going to see all throughout the course of the week that the Pittsburgh Steelers under Mike Tomlin are always a great underdog bet. Like Historically since 2007, Mike Tomlin teams cover. The one thing that we have to consider is that the bulk of those years, he's had Ben Roethlisberger, if not all of them. Right. And so you're starting to see this year that even when their defense plays well, the offense is going to go through a lot of growing pains, and that offensive line needs a lot of work. And you might see a struggle-filled season for Pittsburgh, even with Kenny Pickett coming in Um, and providing a spark. I I saw another fun stat. Uh, about the Pittsburgh Steelers, that uh, none of Kenny Pickett's throws last week touched the ground. You guys know that, correct? Yeah, ten throws went yes. to Pittsburgh, yes. three went to the New York Jets.
1: Yeah, I also saw somewhere that uh, he didn't have a single turnover-worthy throw. He had three interceptions.
2: Oh. Can we take that stat and take it out back and give it the old yeller treatment, please? <laughs> because that that stuff, that's that shit kills me. It's like the, it's like the stat, like the running backs, like the yards that they should have got. How the hell do you know that? Like, like what in what world? It's like, well, you know, he ran for three, but really, he, if you adjusted, he should have ran for five, and that's what the expected yardage was. Really, based on what? Like, he should have broken that tackle that he got tackled for the three yards. Like, how is like, how does how does anybody? Catch? And I love when it's to a decimal point. Like, <laughs> that's the shit that really kills me. Hey, he should have ran for 5.4 over. Oh, no, why not 5.6? Why he couldn't give a little extra effort? Reach out. Like some of this stuff is just is just flat out. but like, I swear to God, people sit around and make this shit up, and then they come out and they're like, look at
1: this model I have. Like, <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? It was how, up to Verderam.
2: any of this shit?
1: he'd have Oklahoma drills back. Verderam's old school, baby. He wants just one on one,
2: two and a's, three and a's. Limit the wall. All pads. All pads. <laughs> right. the, the, the we're gonna we're gonna run a
3: mile in pads first, boys. <laughs> yeah, it's like. uh Do you guys remember? You guys remember who Hawk Harrelson was? Longtime yes. baseball announcer for the White Sox. Person. So he he hated anything that was analytically driven, and I he gave an interview one time, and he's like, "Yeah, you can take all those all those uh, metrics, You throw them out the window. I I measure teams by by tw You know what that is." TWT the will to win. Which again, like made for incredibly interesting fodder. Um, but yeah. they lot of you have some scouting departments that I suppose are measuring that, not necessarily to the way that Hawk Harrelson measures it. And also our guy Reed Wallach always talks about it. There's a, a basketball stat um, that's measured by shot quality. Um and they do a really nice job, really insightful information, but the, the line that he always comes back to and says is, like, I can't go to my bookie and tell him that shot quality said that Kansas State should have won the game even though they lost by 10 points. Like, I can't get my money also, back.
2: Let, let's say this. And, by the way, Jeremy in the chat, I appreciate the Band of Brothers reference. Look, I listen, the shot quality thing, I'm a Knicks fan, okay? Here Here's, here's my thought on shot quality. Who the fuck's taking the shot? Okay, and I'll <laughs> tell you if it's a quality shot or not. Like just like, it, this is what i mean with all this stuff it's like well you know if you adjust for this and you say don't adjust for any of this shit just play the game i'm like i i can watch with my eyes look all right we're getting we're getting way off topic but the, the point is i think some analytics are genuinely helpful yes. i think a lot of them are completely made of bullshit that people just sit there and they're like oh look at this his uh yeah you know, it's like in baseball when you got to listen to these people who are like well i'll tell you what you know his batting average on balls in play is eighty points lower than the average. Yeah, because he hits dribblers to third all damn game. He stinks. Like that's why his average is so low. If he can't hit the ball. He gets squared up. He blows. And anytime anybody throws a curveball, he can't hit it. He's hitting 0-62. There's your analytics for you. He stinks on anything that's not a fastball. Like I, people need like a breakdown of a chart for this. It's amazing to me. If you've ever watched baseball, there are certain guys on the Royals, right? You guys are Royals fans. Every game, you know, like so-and-so comes up and you're like, oh, God, if they pitch this guy down the way, he's striking out every time. I don't need a chart for that. I've watched him for six freaking months strike out on a change and blown away because he's a dumbass and he can't lay off the pitch. We're like We've died. we've gone way off way. <laughs> My point is, some of this shit is not that complicated. It really isn't. It's a game for Christ's sake.
3: I, I got nothing to say. I, I, as, as somebody who actually uses a lot of advanced numbers to try to put some baseball picks together, you're, you're not wrong, Ritteram, but I will say that there are plenty of times where bookmakers and bettors are looking at numbers that you could make a definitive argument that are a bit out of date and antiquated that don't add up to where you can find betting value. So you're Right. You're you're right, but some of those numbers also right. provide some hidden value, as they do in the NFL. But I'm looking at it from a betting perspective, not from a front office perspective.
2: It's fair enough. All right, let's get to the betting perspective <laughs> All right. in, in NFL Week Five before before
1: we, we well, you don't want to talk more Knicks and shot select? Shot you know, you know what's going to happen.
2: Work. I know. I know what's going to happen. We're going to cut this. It's going to go on Twitter, and so the analytics community is going to look at this idiot. He doesn't understand the value of running on you know of, of never running the ball. Oh my God. He doesn't go yeah. to runningbacksdontmatter.com. Whoever not. Whoever posts this video, just say
3: Matt Verderam thinks Babip is shit. Watch <laughs> conventions explode.
2: Yes. I'm all for I'm happy to go to an analytics convention and speak about this. <laughs> Maybe here, here's a cut up of the Oakland A's. And like here's why their their batting average on balls in play is 190. It's not bad luck, boys and girls. Here are their last 1,000 balls in play. Oh, look at that. None of the balls are hit any harder than a three-hopper to short. That's why their batting average on balls in play stinks because somebody with no legs in one arm could have gotten there and had enough range to throw them out in time.
3: That's why. I'd love to see a guy with no legs and one arm play baseball.
2: I mean – I'll tell you what, they, they can replace the A's of 102 losses to trash bullshit franchise. The like, actual video. Pittsburgh Pirates with the wooden legs and the – i fashion the arm they'd be interesting to watch right right like seamus from family guy just nine guys put them all out there yard that was outside that was a shit (laughs) cold you're firing in there boys that's it i mean i'll tell you what they did the best attendance in pittsburgh they've had in 30 years finally a reason to go watch that shit (laughs) I don't, know, I don't know where else to go from here other than <laughs> – I don't know how we get back to the games nah,
1: should, should we All right. All right, Ben. All right, what are the five, week five lines, biggest games of the week? What do you got? Okay, these two teams
3: stink, but I do think you can make an argument that Colts and Broncos is one of the three oh, biggest God. games of the week. God, great start. I, think, about, think about perspective going into the start of the year. Like, if whoever loses this game – like, you're, you're, you're any shot at the playoffs is done. And maybe you make the argument that they're already done. Javante Williams is done for the year. Our Peter Dewey at that oh. side is a diehard Broncos fan, and he's he's declared the season over. I, I'm not willing to go there just right like to for, for the Colts because they, there's been a long sample over Frank Reich's career that says they are bad from weeks one through five. You know, they, they, their winning percentage entering this year was just over 40% first five games of the season because he's had different quarterbacks every year week six on it's over 65%. So I'm still looking towards the Colts in a shit division that tells me that they will make improvements. Lost to the Titans at home was bad, but they still get the Texans coming in at home. They still have an opportunity to welcome Jacksonville at home. Although Jacksonville is now the favorite in that division. And you can't convince me that all of a sudden when the Colts go to Tennessee, that they're going to lose by you know, 10, 15 points. Like it'll be a close game. And I think they have a chance to pull it off and remain competitive, but you lose this game now on the road at Denver without Javante Williams with Melvin Gordon can't hang on to the football. Mike Boone might be your, your leader
2: right now. As far as by the way, football. Mike Boone, I've never seen anybody with worse hands in my life. The, the, the man, four times. You're, you, no, I know, I know. Oh, his ball security is comical. But like Mike Boone, anytime they throw the ball to Mike Boone, he treats it like it's a beehive. It's, <laughs> it's like Mike, 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 Mike. Two hands hold it. It's not gonna bite. It's every time they throw it to him. It's but look. By the way, both these teams should be sent to the glue factory. Okay. Um, they. I am gonna be succinct I'm taking the, the points in this game. There's no way I'm picking Denver to cover any any spread. It's got a hook involved, three and a half. Denver. I, if, if you said who's going to win, I'd probably take Denver. I honestly, God, think this game is going to be 19 to 16. I would take the under, and I would take the Colts to cover. Perfectly reasonable
3: take. I, I Shaquille Leonard, I think, also going to be out again. Um,
2: he is out. Yeah.
3: Line is 43 and a half, so 19 to 16. That that's a clear move towards the under as well. I'm probably with you. I, I do think the hook for the Colts, uh, given where everybody is viewing them right now, uh, probably makes more sense uh, just because Denver is, no, nobody wants to bet on either of these two teams, but the trend likely suggests you go towards the favorite at home, but I can't do it with Denver at three and a half, I, even though their offense looked alive for the first time all season, it was against the Raiders, not taking that with a whole lot of grain of salt. The Colts still have a decent defense, Um, So I'll I'll probably end up leaning towards them with the points for week one or for week five this week. Cowboys and Rams. Again, uh, interesting scenario where the Rams can't score late in games. They're back at home. They're given four and a half to Dallas, who uh, apparently the Cooper Rush era, uh, they never want to end. Um, I I think it will end this week, and I I think it will come to a somewhat painful halt. But I'm I'm taking under here. Also 43 and a half. Rams defense against Cooper Rush. Like there's enough tape on him for them to finally start to slow down. Rush has made some NFL throws and he's looked and filled in for the part for Dak Prescott more than they could have ever asked for. Remember oddsmakers moved the Cowboys after the Prescott injury to dead last to win the NFC East. That's no longer the case, but yeah. Rams at some point need to start realizing a sense of urgency. I don't think Stafford's going to light up this Cowboys defense, which has been very good. I think kind of what you said before, this feels like a, a 17 to 10 type game. Um, another stinker in the late afternoon primetime window. So go ahead and give me the under probably if I am ha- if I have a lean either way on this game.
2: I think – I'll tell you right now, i am take Dallas to cover this. They might even flat out beat him. I mean, have, do you think they're blocking Micah Parsons this game? No, I don't. He's expecting I like this under. game by himself. I mean, they they can't block – and by the way, if you put any – if you put Diggs in that – I know Diggs is feast or famine. Like, I understand that. But if you put him on cup in this game and you give him some help, where where else is the ball going? Who are they throwing the ball to? Like, I'm with you on the under. I think Dallas is going to cover. I think Dallas is a real live dog in the game. Like, I might pick the Rams to win this thing like 20 to 17 or something, but – there's no scenario for me where they just blow the Cowboys out, or unless unless Rush has a game where he throws you know a couple of picks or something like that.
3: At some point, you know, at some point, and certainly you can tell me if you agree. Like Cooper Rush is turning back into a pumpkin, right? Like Vernor, I asked you the other day. I was like, is, yeah, there, that's happening. is there a comp for for Cooper Rush? I, I mentioned Taylor Heineke from from yeah. a couple of years ago, and you mentioned Kyle Orton. Like those guys were serviceable. They're good backups in the NFL, but are they guys that are going to take this right. team to the promised land? Absolutely not.
2: The, the conversation that has like should, you know, should he start over Dak? It's like his has anyone has anyone actually watched <laughs> these games? Like Cooper Rush is the epitome of like look he's a competent backup like that's what he is. That's that'll you a lot of like, money should, in this league for a long time. I mean, it's like should, oh yeah, of course. It's like should they bench Dak Prescott, who's a borderline top ten quarterback? For Cooper and you had Jera who's like I don't know maybe like I mean it's like, <laughs> like, what what if I was Dak Prescott I'd be like what I, like I literally would go up to Jerry's office and be like look if you ever say something like that again I'm gonna demand the trade publicly like what in the hell is wrong with you my God sit up here drink some Tito's and call it a day like what what is happening he's like who, he's not a Tito who Walker come on now. Oh, black, red, but all of it, all of it. Yeah, Jerry. You know, listen, he lives for the moment.
1: I could see Diggs getting cooked if they put him on Cooper Cup. He's getting absolutely cooked Uh, if they try. If they try putting him on Allen Robinson, I expect a big Allen Robinson game. The only pause I will have is Stafford will turn the ball over. I would not be shocked if Diggs did. Get at least one interception while he gets cooked the other times. This Fair is an on. interesting game. I like the under, but I, I think I like the Rams. I'm with Ben. I don't trust Cooper Rush at all. I think Matt Stafford comes out with a little something to prove. Here.
3: By the way, all of us, shame on all of us for not knowing anything about whiskey. It's Johnny Walker Blue is the most expensive one. I think we dropped red, black, black. Like, oh, no one asked that's me. The, that's, I, I, I,
1: I'm, I'm, I, I, it went over my head. You yeah, know. well, like us peasants, by, by the us way, peasants
3: over here just drinking the cheap shit. So I, I was gonna say,
2: I'm garbage, yeah. Uh, look, I, you know what? That might be the title of my book. Um, <laughs> Alan Robinson in four games has 95 yards. 95 yards, like it, you're it, saying it, he's due.
3: I hope I mean, by, he's, by the way, they pay to not play million football anymore.
2: I mean, it's just it's it's bad, man. Like, it's he, he had four he had four catches, 53 yards, and touchdown against the Falcons, otherwise. One and twelve, two and twenty-three,
1: two and seven. Yikes! Kenny Galladay and Allen Robinson just pointing at each other He's with those man man tracks. Man. Yeah.
3: <laughs> All right, last one on the board, and then I'll, I'll I'll give you guys the the five games that I've already bet so far this week. Jump jumped on some of these very early in the week. Um, has to be Bengals and Ravens, right? Ravens are minus three. Yeah. Actually, at one point, opened up at, my, at Ravens minus three and a half. Got bet down back to that uh, that key number of three total of 48 and a half. There's a very good argument that would say that the Ravens have Ravens should be with um, the Eagles at four and this year, but they have blown two big leads late. And I don't know whose fair it is to put the emphasis on. Is it on Lamar? Is it on the the, the defense? Is it on John Harbaugh make the argument that some blame should go around. But if you're Baltimore, like Oh, and two at home, with Lamar Jackson playing as well as he has been like a legit MVP candidate again in a contract year, you, you can't lose this game to Cincinnati. You you cannot lose this game to Cincinnati. And what I think is going to be really interesting is that the Bengals are notorious for slow starts in games. Then they make a comeback burrow very good in the second half. Conversely Ravens best uh, first half team in the NFL with the Eagles, one of the better teams covering against the spread in the first half. Like, I'll probably be looking at this game and jumping on the Bengals to cover the line and uh live in this matchup. But Ravens have to win this game. Have to.
2: I, I think Cincinnati's gonna beat them. Like I look, the Ravens, and I and you're right, by the way, with everything you said. The Ravens have lost five games in a row at home. The two this year have been comical, like insane ways to lose games. By the way, here's the problem for the Ravens. They can't stop anybody. Like, unless unless they get a turnover from you, which they forced a lot of. They can't get off the field. And I, I got bad news. Like, the, the Bengals have a couple of receivers you might have heard of and a quarterback. Like, they might score 40 points in this game. By the way, they baptized them twice last year. And once when they were really hurt, throw that game out. That's fine. Once when they were pretty healthy. And the, and the Bengals lit them up all night in that game in Baltimore. So, like, look, I, I think Lamar, we talked about him at the top of the show. Like, I, I think a lot of him. I also think you just asked him to do everything. In every game, they, they need him to do every single thing on every drive or they can't score a point. So, look, I think the Ravens are a good team largely because of Lamar, but I, I think the Bengals are a better one. Uh, I like them to at least cover, and I think, I, I think I'm probably going to pick them to win outright.
1: I know you're not supposed to do this, but I like betting when teams are due. I think the Ravens are due to beat the Cincinnati Bengals at home. And that's what I'm doing here. I I think there's no chance the Bengals collapse again. That just feels like far-fetched, right? It's Lamar Jackson. It's a decent Ravens team. I think they're the better team. They're at home. The Bengals going into this year where a team, I think, takes a step back. I like the Ravens in this game. I think they covered the three points. I like the over. I, I think the Bengals will score at least a decent amount of points. But I think the Ravens score or win by at least a touchdown.
3: I, I tend to lean more so on Vertrams. I, like I said, I, I think the play for me in this game, because I missed the line at three and a half for Cincinnati, is to just sit on it, and then once the Ravens get off to a lead, take Cincinnati live, get a better number, because you know that they're going to start slow. You know that Baltimore's going to start fast, and then it's just a question of asking Baltimore to do what they haven't been able to do this year, which is slow teams down in the second half and then also in the fourth quarter. So let me give you my five bets that I've already made for this week. I, I know we're running short on time. Uh, I'll run through these really fast. You can give me a yay or nay um, if we want to go ahead and include them as part of our, uh, our stacking the box picks for this week. And, and by the way, um, those we've done pretty well together, guys. We're five and one so far against the spread for the first three weeks, obviously off last week. Uh, week three, got the Falcons. Uh, they're actually the only one of the few teams left in the NFL that's undefeated against the spread. Um, lost with the 49ers. That one killed me uh, against the Broncos in week three. Games that I love this week. Miami getting three on the road against the Jets. Dolphins having extra time to prepare with Teddy Bridgewater. Yes. Mike McDaniel, other than the whole Tua situation, which I don't know if I can necessarily put on him, has put together really good game plans. Like, their defense has yeah. been bad. But I'm not concerned about their defense against Zach Wilson, who is going to telegraph passes. And I think Miami's corners are good enough to be able to pick him off a couple of times. Miami's offense. I I just don't know how the jets are going to be able to stop them. They're not good at stopping the run. Miami is going to be committed towards the running game. That's what Mike McDaniel teams do. Dolphins minus three at Jets. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yes. I I don't think there's that big of a difference between two and Teddy. So like I, I mean, I hope Tua gets better, of course, but like from a football perspective, I don't know that it really matters all that much.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Tyreek Hill had a ball thrown behind him. He tipped it up to himself like an NBA player did a tip drill. Uh, yeah, I'll take the Dolphins minus three.
3: Uh, also, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, one of the best quarterbacks over the last seven years in covering against the spread. So, uh, Teddy Teddy covers also in play for this week. Next game. Atlanta Falcons plus eight and a half on the road against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I don't think this will be a particularly popular play. This line has moved to eight at several books. So I love the fact that we're able to get it with the hook. Atlanta has hung tough in all these games this year. In fact, you should make an argument that if not for a collapse against the saints in week one, they should be three and one this year. Tampa's going to win this game. There's just enough talent, especially back healthy, for Tom Brady, and I think he'll be able to move the ball much easier against Atlanta. But the Falcons are running the ball really well. I know they want to have Cordero Patterson, but they still mixed in lots of options last week, got the win against Cleveland at home. Eight and a half is too many points for a team that has been consistently in ball games. It's a division game on the road. I, I, I don't think it's going to be a lot. I think the Falcons keep it close.
2: I, I can't get there. This is, this is the kind of game that, like, Brady goes out and throws like five touchdowns, and, and they sack Mariota like eight times. Yeah. Um, I'm with the Dolphins.
1: I, I can't get there with the Falcons. Yeah, I, I'm with Vertorim on this one. Maybe this is why we don't bet, or at least we're not good at betting. No the Falcons will probably went outright. Yeah, but I'm with you here, man. I, I feel Brady's going to come out pissed. This this Bucks teams, they were started to click late in that game against the Chiefs. I, I think the Bucs destroy Atlanta. All right.
3: Next one on the list. We're, we're, we're one and one So we don't have to include that in our, in our best bets for the week. Uh, Seahawks right now, five and a half point underdogs on the road against new Orleans. Saints are coming back from London after really letting another one go by them. Uh, Andy Dalton didn't look particularly good. Um, rest of the team is just in, in a complete downfall. Um, th- there's something weird right now about the saints team that I I, I just don't trust. And, Yes, they're going to be back home. Yes, Seattle came into this year with very little expectations, but Geno Smith is finding his top receivers. He's done a great job connecting with Lockett. Metcalf is having another nice year. We'll see whether or not his injury availability is going to take place. I almost wonder if that's part of the reason that the line moved is whether or not Metcalf might be out. If he's out, then that, this is probably a stay away for me. But Rashad Penny has been great on the ground. Like Seattle is controlling time of possession, their defense is hanging in enough games. Um, yes, it's back-to-back travels for them, but I, I'm not concerned here because New Orleans is also coming back from London. So I don't think there's necessarily a big advantage for them uh, as far as travel is concerned. I think five and a half is a good number for Seattle here.
2: I, I'm, I'm in on that. I think Seattle Seattle might win the game. Like I, New Orleans has been awful. So Gino's been really good. Gino's been really, really legitimately. should playing like 77 percent of his throws. So yeah, I'm in. I think Seattle at least covers.
1: The only question I have is, can Rashad Penny run against this New Orleans defense? That's going to be a big difference maker to me. And if Michael Thomas is back healthy in this game, or at least healthy enough to play, that's at least one good weapon coming back for the Saints.
3: All right. So we got those three. So it sounds like we're, what, two and one so far? We're, going, we're taking Dolphins and taking Seahawks? Yep. Okay. couple totals to consider as well. Steelers and the Bills. Buffalo, when they win games, they win by a boatload of points. Um, but Pittsburgh's defense also has played them well historically. And you mentioned that Baltimore that Buffalo comes off of a big win on the road last week. They return home. Nobody's giving Pittsburgh any shot to win, but their defense has been okay. And I wonder if they're gonna create enough pressure for Josh Allen to make some bad throws again. They're not gonna win the game. But I also have concerns about Kenny Pickett turning the ball over, as we mentioned before. Yeah. Line in this game has moved from forty seven and a half to forty seven. Um, if you can find it still at forty seven and a half on the under, that's a Big number, especially with that key number of 47. I, I, I see this being like a, a 30 to four, a 30 to 14 type game where it's close, but I, I just don't know how Pittsburgh scores here. Buffalo's defense is too good. I like the under 47 and a half.
2: I think this is like 30 to three. So, yeah. I <laughs> Yeah. No, I'll take the other. I'm with you. I wouldn't touch the line only because Buffalo once in a while has these weird games where like they're totally disjointed for a half of football. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think it's under because I don't think Pittsburgh's getting a 13 points. So yeah, I'll take the under.
1: Yeah. Love the under here. All right. Love it.
2: Final one on the
3: board, Raiders and chiefs. And I know Verner and we'll talk about this more on uh, the Arrowhead Addict podcast on Thursday at uh, 11 central, this line opened at 50 and a half. Um, it went to as high as 53 at several books and now it's come back down a little bit. You can find it anywhere between 51, 51 and a half, depending on where you are. Uh, I took it at over 50 and a half. The the chiefs over the last several years have like averaged 43 and a half points. I think against the Raiders defense. Now it's a different scheme. Gus Bradley is no longer there, but you can't tell me that this Raiders defense is better this year than it has been in years past. There's a clear argument that they've been worse. I know that it's Kansas city coming back after a big win, The Raiders sometimes will play them tough. Hasn't been the case the last few years. Mahomes consistently puts up points against this team. I'd be stunned if he doesn't do it again. The question is whether or not the Raiders will score, but there's too much talent on this offense this year for me to think that they're not going to get anything. And maybe you get a garbage touchdown late. I, I like the over here at 51, 50 and a half, wherever you can find it.
2: I like the over, but also what is the, the game? The line was seven. Is it still seven? Last time
3: I checked, it is still seven. A couple books. Uh, might might have it at seven and a half for Kansas City. And, and normally on a primetime game, uh, actually FanDuel just moved it to seven and a half. Um, you know, in most primetime situations, that's almost an automatic play to take the other team. If you can get the seven and the hook, I, I can't do that with the Raiders. I, I, I I'll tell you right now, the, no,
2: the, reason, the reason I asked that, I think the Chiefs are covering the spread and I think the totals are going over. I, this is going to be like 34-23. Mm-hmm. And that would be, that would the be case, a low number for Kansas the, City against the
3: Raiders the last few years.
2: Right. I mean, make the case for the Raiders to win this game, other than that the Chiefs just completely craft themselves. I mean, what, what is the case? Like, they can't block. The defense is horrible outside of Crosby. I, I, think, I think the Chiefs are going to put it on them. Also, this would be a trap game maybe if it wasn't the Raiders and if it wasn't Monday Night Football at Arrowhead. Like, they will be – by the way, Mahomes in prime time in his career. I might tweet this out at some point. He's almost unbeatable. And they score a million points every time they're in primetime. He's something like 17 and 2 or something like that. Like he they almost never lose games in primetime. And I'm pretty sure they've never lost a primetime game. No, I think they've lost one primetime game, maybe two at home. I'll, I'll pull up the stats and I'll tweet it out. Um, but he's got an ungodly record in primetime. So I would I would take the Chiefs to cover, and I would take the Chiefs to go over. Yeah, and by the yeah, way, I, I, I read both of those. One
3: other note that I found before last week is this is from Fancher NFL. If you're looking for props, uh, Pat Mahomes has averaged in his last now 14 games in primetime um, about 320 passing yards per game. So whatever that number is going to be, it's not going to be a 320. It'll probably be 280 something. Um, go ahead and, and and hop on that over right away.
2: Yeah, listen, I know, uh, Ben, I know you got to get out of here. I know you're already a few minutes late. We've kept you from whatever the hell you got to do. But, uh, listen, thanks for joining us. We'll see if we win some of these bets. Hopefully we do. Hopefully if you're betting on these things, uh, you know, we're not costing you millions. All right, listen. Uh, so thanks. For, wait, BetSided, real quick, where can they find yeah, you? Yeah,
3: follow us, fanside.com slash BetSided. We'll have previews, matchups for every NFL game, bunch of college football games as well. Uh, MLB playoffs are starting this week. Uh, NHL NBA is around the corner. We already got season previews and, and props and picks for oh, those. Uh, daily read is on right now. So after you're done with stacking the box, check that out. And then uh, the, the the daily bet slip YouTube five o'clock Eastern Monday through Friday. Check that. out.
2: Awesome, Ben Heisler. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you again next See week. See you, fellas. All right, let's uh, let's put a bow on the Chiefs Raiders real quick. Uh, I just pulled it up. Uh, in in Mahomes' career against the Raiders, here are the point totals that the Chiefs have hung on them: forty. 35. Okay, Then in the Super Bowl winning season, they hung 28 on him in a quarter and then ironically didn't score again. Also scored 40. Uh, and then in 2020, they lost to the Raiders. The only time they've lost to them with, with Mahomes, 40 to 32. They did score 32 points. Then they scored 35 points. And then last year, of course, they famously scored 41 and followed that up with 48. So they, they have not exactly had a problem scoring against the Raiders <laughs> Uh, with Mahal. their worst game, their worst game included a 28 point quarter. So <laughs> that that's where you are with the Raiders right now as we prepare for this game. So yes, I would I would take the over and the Chiefs to cover, and I will uh, tally up that that time because in my head while I was doing it, I thought I'd seen the stat was like 17 two, but I know that's not right because he's lost to the Rams and Seahawks. He's lost to the the Bills last year. Uh, but I will do it. I know. I know. Over the course of his career, he he has a ridiculous stat line in in primetime games. But um, of course, we'll get to all that also in the Arrowhead Attic podcast. And you have a show later today. I have yeah. two shows on Thursday. We have, we have plenty of time. There's plenty of time to get to the Chiefs and the, as Chris Berman would say, the Raiders uh, on Monday
1: Night Football. All
2: right, So what the hell is going on in your life? What's happening?
1: I'm getting old. I hurt myself golfing to my hip. How, how How the hell do you hurt your hip golfing? <laughs> how? For pork man. It gets to you. I got turf toe playing basketball, and then it finally starting to get better. I'm like, all right, let's go to the course, hitting some bombs. Yeah, I have a vicious swing. Some call it John Daly-esque. I bring it back pretty far. I bring it back pretty far, okay? And I also crush, you know, some Tito's in the course. Yeah, okay, it happens. Of course,
2: as one does, yes.
1: Yeah, but gosh, now my hip hurts. I have throw pillows. What's going on, dude? I'm old as shit. This is, this is sucks. This sucks.
2: These things happen. These things happen. I uh, I tell you, I've I not hurt myself golfing. I have not done. I've hurt myself in, in other ways. Where like I've been like mowing the lawn and pick up a lawn bag and I'm like, oh god, <laughs> my back. Yeah. Um. Although I'm pretty good about not having like a humiliating injury from nothing. Um. But I, I'll tell you what, I had a I had a, a a back, I don't know, not injury. I guess like I just had a muscle in my back that was pressing on a nerve last year for like nine months straight. And I tell you, like you can't. It is, it is unfortunate. And you every day, every night, I thought to myself, "You dumb son of a bitch! You, you got old. This is what you did to yourself." The funniest thing I've probably ever done though, in terms of working out and hurting myself, was I, I was at the gym and you know, there's these. I don't know. I'm gonna screw up the name probably, but there's a machine, it's a leg machine where you. You sit down in the chair, and you can you know, put as much weight as you want on it. And then you can either like, bring your legs in so they basically your thighs touch. And it's like a hip abductor. And then you can also go the other way where you have your I legs was, in.
1: I was yeah. about to rip on you and say you're probably doing that hip abductor workout, and that's the one you're actually talking well, so,
2: about. So here's, here's why so there's a story behind this. So when I was in high school.
1: What, you're 73 and a grandma? That's the only people I've ever seen use those machines.
2: <laughs> right. So you're right. In high school, we had to do it for hockey because you, know, you build up your leg strength and all stuff. And so we would, we would max out the machines. It was the only machine I've ever maxed out in my life. We've maxed out a couple hundred pounds on them and do them. And it really was a good workout for hockey because it simulates, it's a skating motion. So long story short, I had not done that machine since I played hockey. So we're talking like 15 years, right? And we happened to be walking by and my wife and I, and, I just jokingly said to her, I'm like, the guy There's the only machine I've ever maxed out in my life. And she was like, prove it. So I, sat, <laughs> so I sat down and I did do it. I maxed. I did a rep of like, you know, I did like 10 reps, whatever. The next day, my legs hurt so bad. The inner part of my thighs, man, I, I, I had to sleep with a pillow between my knees because it was the only way my legs were at an angle where it wasn't like creaked in. <laughs> I was in agony. I really thought I tore something like I was like, for two days I couldn't walk. I had to like hobble to get anyway. was just thank God it's about a year ago, by the way. This it was it was ridiculous. And I to this day I look at that machine and I laugh because you're right. The only people who ever on it are these old people doing like twenty pounds. And the one time in fifteen years I get on this thing, and i I'm, I'm in
1: agony for two days afterward. It was not good. Getting old sucks, man. It just it just sucks. I sleep on my neck wrong and it hurts for three days.
2: Yeah, you know it's just it's one of those things when you, you don't even. I'm 34, so I'm not even that old. But when you're young, you, when you're in like 28? your 28, yeah, in your, in your teens, it's like you don't even. Think, well, look, I, you know what? And I don't have to go too far down this rabbit hole. It's kind of like drinking when you're younger. You just you bounce back and you're like, it doesn't matter. I had a fish bowl and I, I polished it off with a bottle of Everclear. I'm like, I'm ready for breakfast. And like in college, you just you just bounce right out of bed. You're like, I don't care. It's thirsty Thursday, and it's it's tipsy Tuesday, and it's you know it's blackout Monday, like whatever that. Blind is. Wednesday, baby. Right? Like, yeah, like, <laughs> any excuse, right? Like, and but you just bounce back and bounce back. Like every once in a blue moon, like your body's finally like, bro, enough. And you're like, oh my god, I can't go out tonight. But then like by the time the night rolls around, you're out like you're just crushing bush light. But then I remember there was a specific instance. I was 25 years old. Went out to a bar, and I, it, it did not end well. Um, and I remember waking up on my buddy's floor, and I was like, and he was even in worse shape than I was in, and he was in the bathroom on one knee, and the door was creaked open, and I, he's just throwing his guts up, and in between, he's just like, "Why God? Why?" And he's just throwing. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. This is the end of this. Like I, I am. Twenty five was a retirement for me as far as being able to do stuff like that. But it's true, like you get older and your body's just like, nah man, it's it's enough. You've 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 outlived your use. So here here I am, 34 and, and complete garbage.
1: Uh, it actually makes what Tom Brady and some of these other players, Andrew Whitworth being in the forties yeah. playing an offensive tackle. Yeah, oh, bullshit. It's insane. It's insane. No chance. No. Well, Verderam. This was outstanding. This was the Stacking the Box podcast. Vernoram, what else you got going on?
2: Nothing. Look, give it, give us a, give it a thumbs up in the, uh, the, the video. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. As far as what I got going on, look, I got my power rankings out today, quarterback rankings out tomorrow, picks on Thursday. Uh, I got two shows on Arrowhead Addict on Thursday as well. Sunday, actually, pretty light Sunday. We've got uh, Ian McMillan and I from BetSide. We'll be doing – Best bets with BetSide at NFL Week 5 edition on Sack the Box, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, right into the kickoff. Uh, and then, of course, Monday, we all have a big day Monday, the pregame, the halftime, and the postgame show of the Chiefs and the Raiders from Arrowhead Stadium. So we've got a lot going on, uh, but uh, it'll, be, it'll be good. I hope uh, you're all here to join us.
1: For Matt Verderam, I am Sterling Holmes. This was the Stacking the Box podcast.